And we're going to be looking at Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 this morning and considering uh, who God is. And I, I just wanted you to think back for a moment and, you know, those things that make your heart kind of jump up when you see them, you know, it, it might be that which is the Grand Canyon. You know, I have never seen the Grand Canyon, but maybe you have, but uh, I understand it's such a spectacular sight. My uh, son and daughter-in-law uh, went, and they had the joy of, of sitting on the east side and watching the sun come up, and so as the west side was just enhanced with light, and, and they were just in you know awe of the spectacular view that was there and, and the wonder of it all. Maybe it's here something local like being down in the Garden of God and, and uh, looking up at Pikes Peak as the sun is setting and the radiance of that and the beauty of it and just something that grips you. Uh, I, I remember coming into town real early one time. We live out in Falcon and I was driving down 24 and just at a time when the the moon was full, I mean vibrantly full, and it was sitting right on top of Pike's Peak. And of course, in my little car, as I bounced along, it almost looked like it was dancing. And I was just in awe of what, what we have and what we can see. And, and maybe it's, it's some of the pictures of outer space like the Milky Way and the galaxy that we have and just the radiant beauty that is there that is captured for us now uh, through various means, whether it's the Hubble or, or those kinds of things. But this morning, as we look at these Psalms, I want us to consider what it means to live in awe of God. What does it mean to consistently live in awe of God? These two Psalms were written for the festivals and for the different feasts that took place in Israel. Uh, we do not have an author. And, and these two Psalms are kind of like sister Psalms. Um, they very well potentially could have been one psalm and, and was sung, was declared during their times of rejoicing in who God was in all of those festivals reminded of what God had done for them. And to me, if we looked at it as one psalm, it would come back and point very vibrantly to verse 10 and verse 1, verse 10 of Psalm 111 and, and verse 1 of Psalm 112, where, where we would read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, as well as blessed is the man who fears the Lord, living in awe of God. I yearn to consistently and intentionally live in awe of God. And I know Eric's desire for us as a church and as a body of believers is to recognize him in the fullness of his glory and majesty and never, ever take our eyes off who he is in all of his majesty. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I just thank you so much for your goodness to us. And as we gather around your word this morning, I pray that it would point us 
to you and you alone because life is about you and you alone. Father, I pray that your spirit would have free reign here. You'd guide my heart and my lips and what I share. And Father, that our hearts would be split wide open by your spirit to receive all that you yearn for us to receive, knowing that each heart here is in a different place than someone else's. Different needs different places within the journey of walking with you. Father, I'm convinced that there are probably some here with heavy hearts. And Lord, I pray that this would be a time of refreshment and encouragement. There might be a, a stale heart or two here where the things of life have just so encumbered them that they've forgotten to look to you. There might be others who are questioning who you are. And might they see you vibrantly, alive. Father, for the believer who wants to walk with you, I pray that they would be encouraged in such a profound way that we would do it more diligently for your glory and your glory alone. We thank you for this time where we could worship you. We thank you for this time where you can meet with us and we can meet with you. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Living with God, living in awe of God. The very first thing that we're confronted with is a thought of relationship. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 111. It says, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The psalmist is declaring at the, in, in the center of this festival, you know, I'm going to sing out. I'm going to rejoice in who you are and the reality of the relationship that you have brought to pass. Yeah, for an Israelite, it was the fact that they were their chosen people. And, and he just wants to celebrate. And he's going to do it with his whole heart. And you and I, we need to worship him. We need to ascribe majesty and worthiness to all that he is through a relationship, a relationship that he has started for you and I today in the church through his son. The wonders of salvation. You know, I was raised in a, in a home where uh, it wasn't religious and, and God's word wasn't a part of life at all. And so to think that I could have a relationship with God, let alone thinking, is there a God, was true in my heart and life until I got into my 20s and I began to, to think about it, married with kids, and hmm, there might be something to the fact that there is a God. And I had no clue. A relationship. The psalmist is all excited. You know, and wonderful, excited, because God is a God of relationship, and he started it. He called Israel out. He called Abraham out. He called uh, Moses to direct them out of Egypt. He did the work for you and I. It, it, the work is done at the cross of Calvary, amen? And the wonder is that there you and I can come 
and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and it is through his sacrifice that the atonement was made where my sins, your sins, were covered in the blood of the Lamb in the, in the wonder of forgiveness, relationship. Think about the different relationships we have in life. You know, if you're married or engaged or have a, a, a significant boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, that the relationship and the commitment and the time that takes to, to really build that. The psalmist is declaring, come on, let's do it with our whole heart. I am convinced of this. Uh, you, you saw the video there, and uh, remember the gal that just broke up laughing, and you know she put her head down and she was just cracking up. Now I have no idea what they asked her. You know, I I just know that probably if it had been my wife in my early twenties, would be that uh, you know, something like this. I, I want you to know that God can change Rich's heart, and she probably would have cracked up laughing like whoa because my heart was so hard to the things of God. And as God worked in her life, after she trusted Christ as Savior, my heart began to soften. The psalmist is declaring, come on, folks. God has provided for us wonderfully. Let us sing and rejoice. We just did that together, did we not? You know, and the question is, is whether we did it with our whole heart, whether we just sang the songs because they were nice and pleasant, or whether, whether we were just ascribing to God. Mm, your presence is welcome here. <laughs> you are marvelous. You are wonderful. You're a good, good father. The wonder of who God is. Relationship. God has brought it to pass. The question is, is whether or not you and I have entered into that relationship. The psalmist sees this and he starts praising God for all that he is. The second thought that I see in these psalms to live in awe of God is understanding. Literally living in knowledge of him. Awe will arise in your heart. In other words, expand and grow as we comprehend more and more about his worthiness. As you and I comprehend more about what he has done. We will see that first in the fact that he has done great works, an understanding of his works, cherishing his works. Look at verse 2. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. I love that. You know, and maybe the psalmist was thinking about the calling of Abraham. Maybe he was thinking about the Ten Commandments. Maybe he was thinking about Moses bringing them out of Egypt and the, and the Ten Plagues. Maybe he was thinking about the Red Sea experience. Maybe he was thinking about how God provided water in the wilderness, how he provided manna in the wilderness. Maybe he was thinking about how God had wonderfully brought them back from Babylon. I don't know, but he 
what he is declaring is that God's works are great. Are you convinced today that God's works are awesome? I pray so. You know, when you and I sit back and we look at at the Grand Canyon or the sunsets or the sunrises, which are just awesome here, or we look out at pictures, you know, concerning the Milky Way. If we are just looking at them for beauty's sake and we are not looking at them in the grandeur of the one who created it all, we are robbing ourselves of joy. We are robbing ourselves in our relationship with him because he yearns for us to see him. His works are awesome. You know, his works are awesome in our personal lives. I was a sinner lost undone, under condemnation. Justifiably so. I needed a savior and I was blind as a bat or blinder to the reality of what Christ had done. Do we get excited when a soul comes to know Christ as savior? Do we get excited to know that God is at work in people's lives? Do we get excited when a person's life totally radically changes from walking in the bondage to the sin of this world, but truly start overcoming because he has overcome it for us so that, that we can walk with him. Ah, the works of the, Lord's, of the Lord are, is great. They are awesome. They are wonderful. And you and I need to, to walk into that. Notice how it continues on. Verse 3, the work His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. When when we look at that, I want us to know something. The God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. The God of the tribe of Israel is the same God of the bride of Christ. It is the same God for the body of Christ. And the wonder of what we have in him will be the same God of the rapture, the same God of the tribulation period. He will still be the same God during the millennial period. He will still be the same God in the new heaven and new earth. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about the works of God, past, present, and future. And wanting to walk with him in a more vibrant way so the reality of my God becomes fuller, comes deeper into my heart and soul so I can walk with him closely. Look at verse 4. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. His works. They are continuous. And he is still so gracious and so full of compassion. That is proven in his statement in First Peter where he would declare that he would have all come to a saving knowledge of Christ. That's his heart's desire. 
is that for you and I to trust his son as our savior and to walk with him vibrantly. His works. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful our God is. Verse 5, he has given food to those who fear him and he will be mindful of his covenant. He is thinking of the old covenant and the wonders of it. You and I have the joy of the new covenant, the new covenant in the blood of Christ, the finished work of God providing a way to have this personal relationship with him. I want us to think about the fact that as Christ died on the cross and when he declared it was finished and that veil being rent from top to bottom, think about that. It was an exclamation point on on the fact of how you and I could approach him, that you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace now. That, That curtain that was between the Holy of Holies in the, in the court was about 10 inches thick. It wasn't something light. And it just rent wide open so that they could see the wonderful Ark of the Covenant and where the cherubim meet and wants us to know that you and I, we have a God that is mindful of his covenant today in that new covenant Verse 6, he has declared to his people the power of his works in the giving of the heritage of the nations. Now, God has declared for you and I to take the gospel to all the world, teaching them, discipling them, baptizing them, carrying out the gospel to all nations. And when we get to the book of Revelation, we see that wonderful joy that in heaven, all nations are going to be represented. People's lives are going to be radically changed under the new covenant because they get to see God in all of his glory and the wonder of it. His works. The wonder of his works. Verse 7, it says, The works of his hands are verity or certain and justice. All of his precepts are sure. Did you catch that? His works are completely right. They are wonderfully true. They magnify who he is in our life. And he wants us to live in awe, awe of him. And I know for some of you guys, probably your stomach is growling a little bit now, wanting to get to lunch, and I understand. Uh, But I'm going to ask you to do something. It might be a little uncomfortable, um, probably something that most pastors wouldn't do. Uh, But I'm going to ask you in a moment to all close your eyes. Please don't fall asleep on me and don't start thinking about lunch. Can you do that? There's no football games on, so you can kind of limit what you're considering. But I want you to just concentrate on the works of God. And I want you to start counting the different works of God that you know about or that you've seen that just blessed your soul. 
And if you come up with five on one hand, fine. If you have to use your other hand to get up to ten, fine. Uh, if you need to take off your shoes like Greg will, uh, you know, Greg Heredia to count up the 20, that's fine too. Well, no, leave your shoes on. Uh, but count. And I'm going to give you a period of time to just consider the awesome works of God. So please close your eyes and start thinking of the works of God that you know of. There, that's 30 seconds. How many of you came up with five? Five works that you've seen God do or you've seen in creation? Did any of you get 10? How many of you got 10? Amen. That means that you and I are concentrating and committed to seeing the mighty hand of God work. And by the way, Greg, the last group, they laughed a lot when I said that you had to take off your shoes. And I don't know why this group, you know, maybe they don't know you. Uh, But yeah, the wonder of who God is in seeing him, looking at and cherishing his works. The second thing, if we're going to know him and, and understand him well, we need to value his character. Look at his character. Notice how how the verses continue on. Verse 8, his precepts stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. For you and I to live in awe of God, we need to see all of his character traits. We've already seen his graciousness and compassion, and now we see his holiness. His holiness has not changed. His graciousness has not changed. His compassion has not changed. And and the psalmist understand you and I need to know the character of God and allow it to permeate our hearts and lives and radically change us from the inside out. That thought of awesome, that means that that there is a love that will not compromise. Aren't you glad about that? That God's unconditional love is completely uncompromised in any way, shape, form, or manner. It is pure love for you and I to enter into through the blood of Christ. The psalmist understood that, and he goes, with this holiness is this this wonderful balance and wanting this relationship to where love and holiness meet together. Holy is his name. Love is his name by the time you get to the New Testament. One cannot be expressed without the other if you and I are living in awe of God. Both remain who he is and who he will continue to be and how you and I will express worship when we are before his throne. A wonder of it. His character. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, the wonders of redemption. Holy 
and awesome. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in the beginning of verse 10. Aren't you glad that in the New Testament, God wonderfully points out, he who lacks, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to us liberally. I don't know about you, but it seems like every day of my life I'm calling out, God, help. I need your wisdom about something in life. Earnestly wanting to bring glory to him as I walk in awe of him. Wanting it to be about him, not about me or the circumstance that I'm confronted with, but wanting it to be all about him and all that he's given us in the dynamics of creation all the way through who he is. And understanding, cherishing his works, valuing his character, and lastly, loving his word. Look at the end of Verse 10, a good understanding have all of those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And go right into Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. They love his word. You know, this is God's love letter to you and I. Amen? And it is meant to be studied by all. It is meant to be understood by all. He has gloriously given us his spirit and dwelling so that as we get on our face before God, he will graciously reveal his word to us. And we are to enjoy it. You know, studying God's word or learning about God should not become a burden. It should be something that we actually enjoy doing and that we delight in because we know the power of the word, that it is living and that it's going to radically change who we are from the inside out. And for the New Testament, for the Christian, is putting off that old man, putting on that new man, being transformed. Form through the renewing of our mind and our heart, Romans 12, 1 and 2, so that we can present ourselves as a living sacrifice, which is just a reasonable service, enjoying his word, getting excited about it. My freshman year in college, uh, our, our pastor had to have open heart surgery, and so he, he, he went to the seminary in college, and he asked a bunch of professors to come on out to uh, fill the pulpit for him while he was uh, undergoing the surgery and recovering from the surgery. And uh, so they put out like 12 weeks uh, so that uh, different ones in the congregation could invite the speaker to their house for lunch afterwards. And, and so we signed up, I believe, for week six, you know, uh, to just host whoever was coming that week. And wouldn't you know it, God in his infinite wisdom, he, he brings one of my personal professors who happens to be the most, in my heart, the most intimidating man on campus. And I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, and, and his heart for God and his wonder and his love for God. But boy, he just for some reason intimidated me. Dr. Rembrandt Carter uh, was his name. He's home with the Lord now. And, and his love, and God used him tangibly in my life so that I finished the course, so to speak, to finish up and 
be the man of God, the, the pastor that uh, God has so wired me to be. And so we're sitting there at lunch, and he sits down right next to my six-year-old daughter, about six and a half. And for, for that day, we had canned green beans as a vegetable. And we're passing, uh, you know, the meal around, and, and it's kind of quiet. I didn't know what to say. And uh, so Dr. Carter took his, his green beans and he passed the, the dish to Heather and Heather took her spoonful and passed it on. And he looked at her and he asked this profound question. Do you like green beans? And I'm thinking, uh-oh. Because I knew my daughter and she didn't really like green beans, but she also knew the rule of the house. She had to take that polite serving, uh, you know. And so she did. And she goes, yes. And I'm sitting there going, why, you little fibber. I know better than that. But she recovered grandly. She goes, but I just love strawberries. (laughs) You know, in life, you and I, we have so many things that we need to do. We have so many things that we've got to be about doing but delighting in God's word and enjoying it ought to be the thing that we want to do, that we earnestly delight in because it reveals to us all that God is and all that he yearns to do in your heart and life and how we can live for him so that he can be magnified in us and through us. Living in awe of God takes relationship. Living in awe of God takes understanding, understanding his works, understanding his character, loving his, his word. Last but not least, the thought of living in awe of God means living life with courage. Courage. Having a faith that knows God is is in control. No matter what the circumstances of life are, the psalmist so yearned for them, no matter what what was to come to pass, but living this life of courage. Notice what he says in verse 2. His descendants will be mighty in the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. They will get God's blessing. Wealth and health and riches will be in the house, and his righteousness will endure forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness, and then we have a repeat. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. You know, in the lives of, of the upright arises a light in the darkness. You know, I used to work in a, in a salt mine a half a mile underground. And so I, I have been in a place that was totally void of light, zero. You know, and I don't know about you, but maybe, you know, at some of the VBSs or something when you were growing up, and maybe they still do it today, but, uh, you know, they teach your children, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You, any of you remember that? Doing that, yeah. You know, the first time I came here for a, a Christmas Eve service, I thought for sure Eric was going to do that with his can, can, you know, with the candle at, that was lit, but he didn't. Uh, but uh, you know, the reality is the light of Christ, and you and I might be overwhelmed in thinking my light doesn't radiate very far, and it's the light of Christ shining through us. But when you begin bundling them together, it becomes a beacon. 
And that's what he's saying. It starts with one and it continues on in the wonder of who he is. His light shines through us. His character will be revealed in graciousness and compassion and righteousness. Verse 5, a good man deals graciously and lends and he will guide the affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desires upon his enemies. The psalmist is declaring, listen, God is in control. He is going to help us in every scenario. You and I just need to walk courageously. David shared something very similar. Keep your finger there in Psalm 112 and go back to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Notice what David declares. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I love that Pastor Ed uh, shared that with us last week. And, and the wonder of delighting then brings his will out of our lives, and we will enjoy doing his will. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as a light your justice as a noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. Do not fret because of he who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Seek from, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Mm. He wants us to live courageously today, even in America. Live boldly. The only way you and I can do that is through a wonderful relationship with him, living in awe of him. Wanting to see his glory come to pass, our heart then will be established. It would be like the life that's referred to in Psalm 1, being that oak tree that's planted by the rivers of living water and our leaves never ever diminish or fall. They remain green and wonderful. You know, sometimes life throws us curveballs that hurt, frustrate us, and yet if we live in awe of God, God's going to do a great work in our hearts to help us walk through it as well as to bring glory to him. We just need to remain steadfast, constantly looking in the glorious face of our Savior, Constantly wanting to be reminded of who he is, really looking at his works, remembering what he's done in our lives and the transformation that has happened and wanting more transformation for his glory. Striving to be holy for he is holy. The standard is high. And I know I won't make it there until I receive my glorified body, but yet striving, ever striving, intentionally striving. I remember reading the story of a young guy back in the 
the 1940s. He was a little 12-year-old lad, and um, his family were poor farmers, just poor farmers. And he had read in a paper that the circus was coming to town, and that was a big thing back then. And he went up to his dad, and he said, Daddy, can I go to the circus this year? You know, his dad looked at him, and, you know, he knew it would be hard to, to allow him to go, but he said, listen, if you do your chores all week and you get all of your Saturday chores done early in the morning, uh, you can go. Now, this guy, he jumped out of his socks thinking, yes, I'm going to go to the go to the circus. And he was very diligent. He worked very hard all week. He got all of his chores done. Come Saturday morning, uh, he, he did all of his chores early. He ran in. He got all cleaned up. He got in his Sunday best, and he came and he said, Daddy, is it still possible for me to go to the circus today? And his daddy reached in his pocket and pulled out four coins, and he said, yeah, here, go to the circus, have fun. You're going to need money to get in and, and things like that. And so this little guy, he was so excited, he ran all the way to town. And when he got to town, there were just crowds of people. And he wondered what was going on, and so he kind of wormed his way through the, through the crowd and got right up on the curb, and to his amazement, here was a circus going by. Just wonderful cages of animals, clowns that he had never seen, horses he had only imagined before. And they go by and they go by and they go by and then the last caged lion goes by and he sits there, stands there and just in awe. And then the people leave. And he pondered. Huh. He reached in his pocket, pulled out the coins, and and he thought, I got to go to the circus for free. And he put the coins in his pocket, and he took off and ran home, having never gone to the circus. Let us not sit here today and just view... God from a distance. Let us enter in. He has paid the price so that you and I can have this awesome relationship with God. It starts at salvation, recognizing his holiness and his love. It continues on through you and I coming to an understanding and growing in our understanding and our knowledge of who God is through his works, through his character, and through his word, wanting to live courageously even in a nation that would mock us for being a child of God. Let us enter in. Let's enjoy his abundance. He yearns for you and I to live life more abundantly. That is exactly what Christ said. And you and I can only do that if we live in awe of God. As the worship team comes again, we're going to sing that beautiful song that declares, you revive me. Maybe you're here today and you haven't even started the journey. You don't have a relationship with God and you need to trust Christ as Savior. Would you realize it's true? 
He is a holy, loving God that yearns to have a relationship with you. And that will only happen through his son. Maybe you're here today and you're just tired. You've gotten distracted and you need just a a breath of refreshment and understanding who he is to live in amazement of who he is. Rededicate, recommit your life to pursuing a knowledge of the awe of God. Let's stand and pray together. Our Father and our God, I just thank you again so much for your word. I thank you for the words of the psalmist. He had to be so excited to celebrate at those festivals and feasts all that you are. Father, I pray that Rich Bailey would learn how to do that intentionally day in and day out. Father, our, our life is meant to be a marvelous journey walking with you. So might we not lose hope because you are faithful. You are an awesome provider. And Father, how I pray that if there are any here today who has never trusted Christ as Savior, as the prayer teams come on the side, that they would come forward and just talk to us. Father, for those who are weary or frustrated, distracted, maybe just filled with a little apathy, Father, may they just receive your fresh breath of your spirit as we sing and come and make the declaration, I want to live in awe of you. And we'll be sure to give you the praise for it's in your son's name we pray.